You're listening to Sunset Radio, the Sailor's Radio Station. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to the Adventures of a Sailor Girl show. This is show number 12, and I'm not even kidding you. I have so much going on tonight. I I don't even know what I'm going to do with myself. We've got so many stories, so many interviews, and I'm very, very, very excited to be bringing them all to you. From this lovely, lovely studio here in Rose Bay, I am back I've made it back after a weekend down at the snow skiing in Threadbow. I'm a very, very lucky girl. I got to go down there and have a little bit of a different kind of adventure. I will share, um, and if you've been keeping tabs on Facebook, you will have seen a few uh, pictures from this epic, epic weekend that I have had. But uh, we're going to have a bit of a new segment today. I've had a few suggestions from avid listeners, Nina Curtis and also Darren Bundock. They listen weekly on their journeys around Europe with the NACRA as they're competing. But uh, we're going to do a little bit of a segment called Dun Dun Dun... Sailing news in less than 60 seconds. So is everybody ready? Let's see what we can do. I think I might need to breathe deeply for this one. Breathing deeply, preparing for my 60 seconds of spitting out news. Okay, here we go. Paul Hardesty has taken his third Etchells Worlds over 95 other boats in Newport this weekend with two 25-year-olds on board who were both match racers and he planned this a year out and got them on board. Glenn Ashby has taken the A-Class Worlds with our chameleon Jason Waterhouse, who we catch up with on the show regularly, coming second in his first A-Class regatta ever. I did try to catch up with him during the week, but the interview didn't work, so I'll catch up with him this week and make sure he reports in on his first A-Class Worlds. The F-16 Worlds were won by a girl that I went to high school with, Jessie Doby and her partner, uh, Adrian. Keel, Keel Week is wrapped up. The Olympic events have wrapped up, that's for sure. Five medals were won by Germany, so the home team definitely had uh, the knowledge there. There are 120 29ers competing in the Europeans at Kiel. And Jim Colley and Sean Connor, who we caught up with on our marathon show, are currently in third position, which is just epic. Alingia leading the Extreme Sailing Series after three days. And I will be touching base, uh, hopefully, with Troy Tindall, who's sailing with Gak Pindar in the show later on, straight from Russia. Now, Shockwave has taken out the Newport to Bermuda race. We have an interview with Silas Nolan later in this program. It was a tight finish with Bellamente, but congratulations to them. And back home locally in Australia this weekend, a lot of racing was cancelled. It was, it's been exceptionally windy, which was great for me because there was so much snow on the ground I couldn't even handle it. Uh, but uh, well done to Adelaide for getting themselves out of a flood and good call to the CYC officials for calling off the racing. That's the Sailing Week in 60 Seconds. We're going to go to a song and we'll come back with an interview with Mr Billy Sykes straight from Geneva for the 8 Meter Europeans. This is Nick Douglas, Adventures of a Sailor Girl, and you're listening to Sunset Radio. My name's Nick Douglas, Adventures of a Sailor Girl, and all the way from Geneva in Switzerland, we have Billy Sykes. Billy, how are you going? Yeah, pretty good, Nick. And yourself? I'm going very well. I'm a little bit envious because I've only ever heard good things about Geneva. What is it like? It's good. It's been uh, it's the middle of uh, summer here and all the, all the Euros are out. Uh, you know, lapping up the sun, basically. So, uh, yeah, been, been plenty plenty of sailing, which has been good. What a good time to go away because I'm not sure if you've heard, but we've had some very interesting and uh, actually cold weather. I think winter's finally decided to uh, let us know that it's here. So a good time to go away, that's for sure. Now, what are you away for? I heard uh, rumours about an eight-metre regatta. Yeah, so basically over here with Graham Wood, who's um, getting ready for the eight-meter welds on La Trinité in France in September. So we've um, chosen this regatta to come over and, uh, 
you know, get get the boat up to speed. Uh, it's got a got a new keel on it by uh, Ian Howlett, and uh, yes, yeah, a few new sails. So just ticking all the boxes, basically. Sounds fantastic, and I'm just picturing this in my mind. Eight meters are already beautiful boats, and then sailing them in a place like Geneva. Uh, does it feel like a storybook? <laughs> A little bit, a little bit. Um, I've been pinching myself a bit. Uh, yeah, because um, basically what's been happening is because it's been uh, – um, they basically go the best breezes in the afternoons. Yeah. So uh, it means during the day we've got a bit of free time, obviously, to, to talk to you, Nick, and also uh, <laughs> Yay. Just, 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 just go around a little bit. So yesterday we went to a town in France for lunch because uh, the, oh. the border's only half an hour away from where we are. So a little uh, – step over into France and uh, have a bit of cured meat and cheese and, uh, yeah, happy days. And back you come. Of... Life is yeah. tough. It's, it sounds awful. Yeah. So, so yeah, how, many, how many more days until the racing kicks off, Billy? Uh, so the, the regatta is called the Rothschild Regatta and it starts tomorrow. So um, it's going to consist of uh, two or three windward lures each day. Um, yeah, then, then, then back to the club. So, um yeah, so Sounds starting like a, a little laugh. bit early. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm adapting quite uh, quite well to this, but it, it's not sustainable, Nick. I don't think um, I have a job if I keep going like this. So. I, I was going to say I'll have to make sure that Coco can't listen to this interview because you are over there doing a little bit of work for, for North Sales. So what exactly are you are you doing on the boat? Are, are you putting on some new sails onto this 8-metre or...? Yeah, yeah. So um, what we've learned over here in, in Europe is they, they sail in um, anything, basically. But most of the time, it's very light, like we're talking winds in, in Sydney where we wouldn't even uh, normally go out sailing. But mm-hmm. they, they seem to send you off the dock if it's zero knots and you get a little puff and away you go. So basically, we've built a new uh, super light um, Genoa for the regatta, really light um, to go from a wind range of, um, well, basically naught to eight knots. Um, yeah, so tried to make it as light as possible, but when the breeze comes in, we got to get it off pretty quickly. Yeah. So, so it's yeah. it's almost probably like a um, like a code zero sort of Genoa, I guess. Yeah. Well, the Genoas on the boats are quite big. Uh, they're yeah. around 180 percent overlap. So um, basically, when you're going upwind, uh, the tactician can't see anything to lured. So it's sort of my job to manage uh, all the boats, or especially when you're on port tack, but to manage all the boats coming across on starboard. And um, try and make the best informed decision um, at the time. But uh, we basically sail off a crew of six, mm-hmm. so um, every, everyone's really, really busy on the boat. So um, there's a bit of multitasking going on, that's for sure. Wow! Yeah, there really must be, and almost uh, maybe two tactical minds, or maybe you're the you're the strategist when you're down to Lewis with the with the tactician up to windward. It sounds, hey. yeah. Exactly. That's exactly how it pans out. So um, I try to paint the picture as much as I can for the tactician then he can make a call off, the breeze is going to keep going right, then we'll duck the boat. Or if you want to protect the left-hand side of the course, we leave out. So um, yeah. they're basically the two options there. But, uh, yeah, it can get um, tricky and complicated. It must and, get very uh, interesting on that starboard lay, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. Yeah, and we, we try to, I mean, I guess with four boats, you try and avoid the uh, the port lay line as much as possible because you don't want to be coming in on port tack trying to no. pick a hole. Not, um, not with yeah. a, not with 180%, did you say, overlapping Hetzel? Oh. Yes, yes. So basically the, um, the Genoa goes all the way back to, well, near where the, near where the, the helmsman's driving. That's, oh. how, that's how far back it goes. That's so, incredibly um, and, tricky. And, 
Yeah, and they're all uh, North Sales, obviously, uh, 3DI Genoas, so there's absolutely no uh, vision for the sale at all. <laughs> oh, goodness. Now, you mentioned that you yeah, have yeah. to get that off as, as soon as possible once you hit eight knots. What are the sale limitations on the eight metres? I mean, how many, how many uh, sets are you allowed? Uh, no limitations, so you can basically do whatever you want, which is okay. um, good for the sale makers. Um, yeah. But we try and make purpose-built sales for the locations where we go. So as I mentioned uh in Sydney, we we normally wouldn't go sailing when it's uh, under five knots and a little bit fluky. Over here, they they'll just fire the start off. If you're starting at twelve thirty, they will fire you off at twelve thirty, regardless of the wind direction, anything. So, um, yeah. So I've had to, pur- yeah. So I've had to purposely built this sail, um, you know, just to to allow for that because it's a little bit of a shock. Uh, we basically did the Helsinki Worlds uh, last year, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Yep, they just fired us away. Away you go. <laughs> no wind. So. So, we actually had a race where, where we sailed in um, quite a thick fog uh, and there was no visibility at all. They actually postponed the race. They blew off the race, which was um, quite smart because not only could we not see any boats to lured, but we couldn't had only a metre of visibility. So, um, yeah, that made it quite complicated. <laughs> De- definitely testing time. So did you sail that uh, with the same crew, Billy, and you've been working towards now the next Worlds? Was that, that the goal uh, from Helsinki? Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, we've had to change tacticians because our old tactician had a few work commitments. Mm-hmm. But um, we've got a tactician called Nick Clear- Cleary on board now, a uh, really good guy, had his first race on the boat yesterday. So, um, you know, I guess with any new people, you just got to um, – go for all the roles and um, I guess each individually does it a little bit different. So um, just trying to make sure we have the same common language because um, it can get a little bit stressful for the tactician because he's, he's, he's not a complete dedicated tactician. He's head in the boat and outside the boat. So it's just being clear on the roles that I, um, I said earlier. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, so I can make the best decisions on the racetrack. How exciting. Well, I can't wait to hear how you guys go and I'm looking forward to seeing the pictures or maybe I'm not – looking forward to seeing the pictures because it's going to make me exceptionally jealous and I wish that I was over there with you. <laughs> I, t- I, can t- I can tell you right now outside there's not a cloud in the sky. It's uh, blowing 14 knots and it's about 28 degrees. So um, pretty uh, ideal sailing conditions here. <laughs> uh, enough from you. <laughs> that's, that's it. We're going sign- to sign off and maybe we'll catch you up on another day. But uh, all the best of luck tomorrow and good luck to the team as well. Say hello to Graham for me. I, I used to sail with the Watchicks, so... Uh, Okay, yep, I'll pass in your regards, no problems. That would be fantastic, excellent. (laughs) That was Billy Sykes all the way from Geneva in Switzerland. Definitely uh, an adventure that I I might have to do one day and and keep you all posted. But we'll be right back after this song with more here on Sunset Radio. This is Nick Douglas, Adventures of a Sailor Girl, and here on Sunset Radio we've called all the way up to Noosa to touch base with the sailing manager up there. Paul Blundell, how are you going on this lovely, lovely morning? It is a very lovely morning up here, Nick. Thank you. (laughs) Excellent to hear. Now, I thought I would touch base with you, not only because you're in Noosa and I'm very, very jealous, um, (laughs) but also because things are going fantastically for a a program that's quite close to my heart. I've followed it quite uh, profusely through Canberra and a lot of people wonder why I've got a, a soft spot in my heart for Canberra, which no sailors really do. Um, <laughs> but um, the Boyd Up program has been going very well up there for nearly a year now. Um, how, mm-hmm. how is it progressing for you? Are you, are you, you happy with it? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it's, for, it's ticked all the boxes. It's been a great program. We do it a little bit 
differently to, to Matt Owen down at Canberra Yacht Club, whereas he's um, mainly focused on on disadvantaged kids. Up here in Queensland, from the get-go, we decided to uh, to more or less direct the program to Indigenous and vulnerable kids, um, mainly Indigenous. So we started that off last year. Um, the reasonings for that are sort of aside from sailing. We've got a very strong surf club here in Noosa, Noosa Heads. And uh, years ago, funnily enough, which a lot of people don't understand, is they, they struggled to even field beach patrols. And they stretched out to one of the local Aboriginal communities here a couple of hours away at the, in the Sherberg Mergen area. And uh, a team of teenagers used to venture down each weekend, join the club and, and help out in the beach. And it actually kept the club going. Um, financially, the club was always strong from their supporters, bar and restaurant. But as far as numbers on the beach were going, they were struggling for some time. And one of our patrons here at Noosa Yacht and Rowing Club of our Tackers program, which is based around, which Boyd Up is based around the, the uh, Yachting Australia introductory Tackers program, Certainly. is also involved back in those days. And when we first had a bit of a a lunch discussion when Matt Owen came up to try and sell me the idea, we decided to take a bit of a sidestep and, and and focus on the Indigenous kids starting from that area. So that's the way it kicked off. The, uh, the member for Coogee, Glenn Elms, uh, who's also the Queensland Minister for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and Multicultural Affairs, jumped in and as a buoyed up patron and that gave us a little bit of ammunition to to seek out some uh, donations and sponsorship to kick the program off and and it's been going very very well we've um we've got another program actually starting on monday we've got 20 aboriginal kids coming here for a five-day camp um (laughs) yeah so it's and that we set that first week of each of the holiday school holiday breaks aside for buoyed up so whereas Matt runs his through schools throughout the year in Canberra, we actually have a designated five-day camp and either our regional kids from more or less Kalounda up to Gympie um, come more or less like day students, I suppose, and they yeah. come each day. But our kids from further areas and communities afield, they actually come in on Sunday and we, we accommodate them for the week uh, and feed them and they sail and they do a couple of other different activities they do a spend a day on the on main beach surfing and they do a fishing clinic and they also do quite a few cultural sessions from local uh, tribal elders etc from the gubby gubby tribe so oh, it's fantastic so it's, yeah we sort of we keep blowing it out of proportion so we, <laughs> as much as sailing is the main main base yeah we've had we've had a lot of add-ons just from great support from the local community Oh, that's fantastic to hear. So not only are you helping to, to build their experience and, and widen their horizons, it's probably helping the community in a, in a lovely way as well, bringing them together. It is. And uh, the, the actual, well, we call them elders. Well, I call them, they call them elders, but they're not much older than me. Um, <laughs> but they do traditional canoe building. They do bush tucker cooking, and they go through how uh, they, they talk about how the the, the local tribes here lived off the land for hundreds of years and it's really it's very informative and quite interesting yeah. um, from my perspective and the kids just hang on every word as, as these uh, as these community leaders speak to them it's 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 lovely to watch 
That's beautiful. A, a, a mutual respect there uh, for, from yeah. all sides, but also to give them a few opportunities that they maybe never would have had. So exactly. Um, yeah, and that's and that's why I think I've, I've I've I mean it doesn't matter what form it's in. That's what it's all about is giving people opportunities that they maybe never would have had through this awesome vehicle of sailing. Be it then yeah. to take them onto other things. <laughs> that's right. It's we, we and and the Tackers programs. A really good vehicle because it's for the seven to twelve year olds. So we're getting them early, um, taking them out of their uh, their own front yard, so to speak, in their normal environment, and showing them um, something a little bit far afield from what they'd normally get their teeth into. And it's it's worked really well. And the, it's funny this program that's starting on Monday. Probably we probably had a, another dozen kids that have done it before, putting their hand up, wanting to come back and do it again. Oh, that is um, amazing. That's a good test. Yeah, <laughs> which we we couldn't accommodate because we were fully subscribed with a wait list to start with. So oh. um, it's, it, it did have some sort of uh, a sinking uh, positive for these kids because they did want to come back and go through the whole process again, which was great to see. That is amazing to see, and I guess that's uh, a testament to how well the program is going. If, if a kid's engaged and wants to do it again, it's clearly hitting the right mark. Yeah, the, the teachers involved from from many of the local schools have come back and said the kids have, have arrived back at school with a, a total new outlook on life, and they're quite proud of their achievement. Um, they 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 more engaged in the playground and in the, and the classroom. So the teachers have have really taken to it, and they've been pushing um, the numbers up up for us also. But on top of that, that Sherbrooke Mergen community, which is a couple of hours away, it's actually the third largest Aboriginal community in Australia. So now the program uh, that's uh, on the calendar for September has been adopted by Sherbrooke State School. And the December program has been adopted by Mergen, Mergen State School, and they're using the Boyd Up program as a as a reward or an incentive for kids to actually improve their behaviour at school and also their school attendance, which apparently lacks in some of the communities. Yeah, what a, what a great they come, idea! They come and go. They come and go when they want. Yeah, but the the more kids that do it, the more um, that the message will spread as well. And what a great incentive! And you know, positive reinforcement as well, as opposed to negative reinforcement, which which might not work. <laughs> yeah, well, those two schools have been superb. So they're using it now as an annual reward for kids. So the kids have the whole year to prove themselves to yeah. get selected as one of the twenty that will go. Um, and so the, the, those schools are ecstatic about the idea because it's it's also it's taking them out of their out of their community. It brings they they bust them down here for the for the five or six days and uh, and it's, it just opens their eyes to what else goes on outside Amazing. their street. Amazing. And how is, it, how is it for you, having been instrumental in leading this program forward, how does it make you feel having watched the development of it over the past year? Uh, it's very satisfying, very stressing, <laughs> it's very stressful. Yeah. Um, I'm, I seem to spend most of my week chasing sponsors and funding yeah. to keep the program afloat. I mean, we've made a huge commitment of nearly $60,000 a year for this Boyd Up program. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, as usual, I bite off more than I can chew, and then I've got to try and drag the money out of out of people to, <laughs> to help it go through. But we've had good support. Westpac Bank came on board and sponsored one program. 
um, with a, a Sydney-based or a New South Wales-based charity. The Sisters of Charity has mm-hmm. come on board and and thrown five thousand dollars, which is about half the cost of another one of the programs. Sure. Um, so and the, we've got a really big annual fundraiser here, which we kicked off last year with with uh, Malcolm Page and Lisa Tetch after both won gold medals. Yeah. Yep. In the, uh, in Fantastic the people. Uh, Olympics and Paralympics, and they came up last year, and we raised about twenty odd thousand dollars, which half went to Boyd up, and half went to buying one of our local girls a a disabled access dinghy. Oh, um, and this year, all the money's for Boyd up from this year's program, and I've got uh, Tom Slingsby coming up for a few days to spend some time with the kids, and also to speak at the dinner, and also Roger McMillan will be there to interview Tom and. We hope to raise, you know, somewhere between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars at that event if all goes to plan. Brilliant. Um, and that will keep me afloat for another few months without having to answer the, to the committee, I suppose, as usual. Oh, definitely. <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 do what we can um, to to spread the word, and I'll do what I can. We'll we'll, sh- we'll share a link to the the Boyd Up program on our Facebook page during the show and, and if anybody wants to, to donate to this fantastic cause, getting not only getting more people out on the water sailing more often, but really giving these kids a, another lease on life. Um, it's just and fantastic. The, and the Boyd Up program for your, for your listeners is approved by the Australian Sports Foundation, yeah. so it is actually fully tax deductible. Excellent. And That's being the 30th of June on Monday, you've got plenty of time to pull your checkbook out and give me a ring and, uh, and, and you've got the blessing of the Australian Tax Department, which is lovely too. Exactly, exactly. Oh, well, thank you so much for touching base with me. It's always wonderful to hear how a sailing can change the lives of so many people, even if it started with sailing. It's um, it's pretty amazing. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect indeed. And well done for your work. That was Paul Blundell. He's managing the Noosa Yacht Club. What a terrible place to be. And the Boyd Up program up in uh, in Queensland. Fantastic to touch base with him. We'll be right back after this song. My name's Nick Douglas, Adventures of a Sailor Girl, here on Sunset Radio. This is Nick Douglas, Adventures of a Sailor Girl, and on the line in St. Petersburg, while we can catch him in between a hectic racing schedule, we have Troy Tyndall. Troy, how are you going? Yeah, really good, thanks. Excellent to hear. Now, you're in St. Petersburg for the Extreme 40 Regatta. How is it going? Yeah, it's, um, you know, we've this is our fourth Extreme event now, and um, we've been trialling some different combinations and um, giving some of our sailors um, some exposure to this close stadium racing. And most of these venues you go to are, um, you know, in tight, tight tricky um, places, and then there's not much wind and and this place here is different to that, you know, but the difference in St. Petersburg here is we've got about four knots of current across the race course. Whoa. Always flowing out. We're basically on the Neva River and um, makes it hard when you've only got sort of five knots of wind and four knots of current. <laughs> so um, it's, been, it's been pretty tricky, but it's been kind of good, I think, for our style of sailing. We're probably a bit um, better suited tactically with Sevi and Nathan, who are working really well. That that's excellent to hear. Um, and you know, we've got off to a bad start. We've been able to come back through the fleet, and the boys have picked some pretty good shifts, and um, we've got back into it. So that's, it's good for us. I that's think. brilliant. And, uh, you know, we're, we've been struggling this year at the bottom of the table, and we've slowly made a little gain up. So so Sevi has been a skipper for you guys in uh, in in previous series races, and now you've got Nathan Wilmot who stepped into the skipper position. But it sounds like they're working together well as a tactical team. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Sevi's 
uh, I think eight time eighteen foot skiff world champion. So he's he's certainly not a um, you know certainly no one useless. Yeah, um, definitely. But uh, you know he's good to have back on board, and he's just got such a massive tactical influence. So it kind of takes that pressure off Nathan, and um, you know they're working really well together. Nathan can concentrate on the boat speed, and which we've gained a little bit here at this event, and and see if he can concentrate more on the tactics. Yeah. That's that's brilliant, and and everybody who's who's high up in sport understands that doing the job that you're assigned to do is really important. And if if Sevy's stronger at doing tactics, and and Nathan is clearly a proven uh, helmsman, then this could be a good combination for you guys going forward. Hello. Uh, it appears that Troy Tindall has just dropped off the line. It was a bit of a sketchy line going through to St. Petersburg there. But I do have a backup interview lined up with him tomorrow. So I will make sure that next week we have plenty of news with him. So we'll just quickly change topics onto the Etchell's Worlds. I did ma- mention in our uh, news wrap in the first stages of the show, that was the first time that we've done our sailing news in 60 seconds, uh, that there were 95 boats competing in the Etchell's Worlds out of Newport. Now, I don't know if you've ever raced in Etchells before, but they are firstly exceptionally competitive and secondly, just amazing to watch as well. So I would have loved to have seen 95 boats out on the water. I did touch base with Richie Allenson, who is sailing over there. Now, he's not at the front of the fleet. He is in the middle of the fleet, but it was still great to get his perspective on what it's like to be sailing with 95 boats on the course. This is what he had to say after the practice race. And uh, so we had the invitation race yesterday and the start line is seriously long. It basically takes seven minutes to sail. Wow. Seven to eight minutes to sail the length of the line. So how many boats in the fleet? 95. Love it. Yeah. Golly, that's so good. And where are you? Uh, In Rhode Island. Newport, Rhode Island. Yep, yep. Perfect. Oh, great. Great yacht club too. Yes, yeah, they've been very accommodating. <laughs> That's brilliant. But our, whenever we've been lining up with other guys, our speed seems to be it seems to be good. It's okay. just how we manage getting off the start line and and hoping that the side we pick is the right side. Yeah, especially with the start line that long. So how long is the first exactly. beat? That they'd have to have a pretty uh, long first beat to account for a line that long. Yeah, so the first beat yesterday was two and a half miles. Far out. <laughs> and, and it was only light, so it's it's a long, long time. That is huge, far out. Oh well, 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 good luck, far out. I've I've had a start line that was set for 131 yeah. tasers, but it's yes. a bit, it's a bit shorter than 95 etchels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it is a long, long way. Oh wow! But, but uh, interesting talking to a, a lot of good guys last night. People like. Malcolm Page and Andrew Palfrey. Yeah. And they're just, they're all wondering the same thing. How do you manage a start line that's so long and particularly when you can't actually get a good transit? Yeah, uh, incredibly difficult. That's when you bring starting between the bow of the boat below you and above you. Exactly. But then you've got to hope that you're not over in a little pack because then they'll pull the pack up. So Exactly. So fun fun and games. Oh. Thanks, Nick. No worries at all. Sounds like risk a risk management nightmare. You might have to take a uh, few yes. flyers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you sort. Of, I think it could be a case of well, if you're rumbling along with a clear lane, you might just keep going. Exactly. Because it may be less less risky than trying to get trying to get back to the middle. Yeah. Just um. 
just try and start where all the good guys are. <laughs> well, there's no shortage of them. I don't doubt that. Just um, on the line, right. then, is good. On the line and moving. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it, quite amazing how many how many very, very good sailors this class attracts. Oh, it really does. It's it's the epitome, really, of um, of dinghy sailing mixed with yacht sailing. So you pull them from yeah. both disciplines as well, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. It's sort of it where is. everyone meets in the middle. Yeah. Awesome. And then the other thing we found out last night is that Brisbane have been awarded the 2018 World Championships. <gasps> amazing. Oh, that's so exciting. Mm. We'll have to um, get on to that one. <laughs> yeah. I might even have to find a boat, damn it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That'd be good. That would be amazing. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. good luck again. And just, yeah. All right, thanks, Nick. No worries. Stay calm and I'll All talk right. to you soon. <laughs> okay, see ya. Bye. 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 So I did wish him luck, and yes, you've heard it here first. Uh, Nick Douglas, Adventures of a Sailor Girl, wants to put together an Etchells team for the 2018 World Sailing Out of Royal Queensland Yacht Squadron. So, um, you know, any volunteers and anyone with an Etchells who's willing to donate it to me, uh, please post on my Facebook page. I'd be really, really happy to hear from you. Oh, we'll see what happens. Maybe Sunset Media will just have to, you know... Get, it, get an Etchells. But I did catch up with Richie a few days later and you might just want to listen to the levels of fatigue in his voice. I'm a bit weary. <laughs> I'm not been long days. Yeah, I bet they are. As long a days as yeah. it is the start line, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, yeah. What's the weather um, doing? What's the weather doing? Oh, it's gone bad on us. It's oh, stunned no. to rain today. Oh, no. Um, that wasn't on the brochure. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but uh, like, like all these regattas... Um, there's a lot of good guys scratching their heads saying how hard it is when you get deep in the pack. And oh, not, not a surprise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, when you start looking down the, the list, there's a lot of very good people deep. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Cameron Wiles was happy yesterday because he finally got some numbers on his scorecard because he'd had letters up until then. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh, golly. But who's who's the standout? I mean, because I think John Bertrand had a good day one, but now it sounds like he's a little bit back. So, um. Yeah, well, he had a um, – well, he started well yesterday. He had a five and then got a 28. Mm. But a 28 could well be a keeper in this this one. Far out, yeah, definitely. I remember doing – when I did the Taser Worlds – um, in 2005, and we had 131 boats. I think I mentioned because of the length of the line. No, we yep. need the length of your line. But um, yeah, we didn't we didn't win a heat, and we won the worlds um, because our, like we kept. I think we kept just chipping away. Yeah, we just kept chipping away, and we and our worst score was a 12, which was pretty. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, mm. But we didn't have a win, but our worst was a 12, so we dropped a 12 and a six, I think. Um, okay. Which, or a 12 and a, yeah, 12 and a, yeah, 12 and a 10, because we counted an eight, and I remember thinking when we got that eighth, which I think was the third heat or so, thinking, oh God, that's a bit gnarly, but I think it's still going to be a keeper, <laughs> and it was, and I was like, yeah, yeah, because some people were counting 30s, because they just got so deep, Ugh, and yeah. you, you can't get through, you just can't in a in a fleet no. that deep. Like, and I mean that's not even as tricky as etchels. I mean, one mistake in an etchel and you're losing twenty boats. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's pretty pretty interesting. So it's yeah. it's good. I mean, obviously, you know the the good guys they they're getting off the line, they're going fast, and and just being able to manage the fleet and 
and managing the fleet is so important. Now, I mentioned in our 60 Seconds news story right at the start that Paul Hardesty took out his third Etchells Worlds over those 95 boats at Newport. Now, I'm just going to read you his scorecard so you can have a little bit of a, a have a little bit of a, a perspective on like like we were just talking about big fleet regattas and winning them. He had a two, a two, a twenty which he carried a one, a four, a five, a 13, a 15, and then he didn't sail the last race. So carrying a 20, a five, a 13, and a 15, he didn't have to compete in the last race to take that world title. Now, John Bertrand, who I mentioned, he had a really good first day and was leading after day one with a four, 10, and a five, had a 28, 27, 23, 53, 43 to finish seventh. So just unbelievable. He did finish off with a second, which lifted him up quite quite nicely. But that's just to put it in perspective, the, the scores are just massive. And if you have a look at the scorecard, you'll just be amazed. Even second place was carrying a 31, a 19 and a 14. So consistent consistency definitely paid at that regatta, which was uh, just I can't even imagine what it looked like. I did share a, a picture during the week from uh, from looking at the Etchells as they came down with their spinnakers up and 95 boats with spinnakers up. Oh, just amazing. We'll be right back with Silas Nolan after his win in the Newport to Bermuda race. This is Adventures of a Sailor Girl on Sunset Radio. This is Nick Douglas, Adventures of a Sailor Girl, and I've caught Silas Nolan fresh back in the country from the Newport to Bermuda race. Silas, how are you feeling? Yeah, really good, thanks. Um, just fresh off the plane yesterday, so all, all very good. All very good. And can, to recover. Oh yeah, exactly. And congratulations. You were on Shockwave, which was the winning team on both IRC and also Line Honours, which is incredible. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks. No problems. Now, it, um, it is a, a 635 nautical mile race from memory, but it did come right down to the wire, didn't it? Yeah, we uh, there was three mini-maxis involved in the race, and um, Bellamente, who's our main rival, was probably the favourite, and uh, we managed to have a really good tussle for two of, the, two of those days with the three of us, and then the final day just came down to pretty much a drag race between us and Bellamento and we managed to hold them off which was fantastic. Just incredible and how does it feel I mean 635 nautical miles it's no mean feat but then to be racing the whole way the level of exhaustion at the end of that just must be huge. Yeah well we, we did a pretty good job of keeping under control keeping everyone's rest levels up and the first uh, day and a half was pretty light so everyone kind of got a good good rest um, but definitely they, that last 20 hours, I think it was, we had the entire crew sitting on the side of the boat and really pushing the boat as hard as we could to get that edge over over the Bellamento. Fantastic. So, and and yeah. it was very variable weather, wasn't it? You mentioned that, um, you know, there was quiet weather for the first few days, but then you had a bit on in the end of the race. Yeah, well, it's a pretty interesting race because you, you leave Newport and the water temperature is quite cold. And then you as you uh, get across the first 200 miles, you end up in the Gulf Stream. Um, and the water temperature rises like 12 to 15 degrees in a matter of a minute. So, wow. Um, that creates quite a big uh, change in the weather and there's usually lots of squalls and storms. Um, and that was quite a tricky moment for us and that was probably the probably the race breakthrough for us, managing to get through uh, a bunch of those storms one night and 
the other blokes just not doing as good a job. So that kind of gave us the lead going into the third part of the race. Which, which is always handy. We always like the lead. Uh, but, yeah. but it still came down to the wire because Bellamente managed to come back. I know a few people back here in Australia were watching overnight, uh, watching the tracker, and it looked like you guys had the lead, yeah. and then Bellamente got back into the lead, not far from the finish, but you managed to claw them back. Yeah, well, um, but the main difference between the two boats is the, the Bellamente's slightly wider. Sure. And uh, a bit more powerful and a bit more sailor so... When we get a reaching conditions, uh, that boat really comes into its own, and when they find their mode, they're they're pretty very hard to beat. So that last 30 hours, they did take quite a lot out of us. Um, but we just managed to do a pretty good job of sort of covering them and keeping you know, ourselves between them and the finish line. And a few little shifts kind of went our way, and everything kind of came good towards the end. Excellent. Um, <laughs> I remember like the last afternoon before the final night we were sitting there going oh if we can hold off the Bellamente for another four hours or so we should be quite good on the uh, on handicap still because they owe us a bit of time yeah and then that sort of four hours disappeared and we we're like oh yeah we we're still in good shape here oh if we can keep going we'll still be all right and then a few more hours later we're like we'll actually got a shot at the sort of line on us here so we'll keep pressing pretty hard so yeah it was all pretty exciting and everyone was really happy at the end Oh, how could you not be happy? <laughs> Exhaustion turns to elation. <laughs> you always find a bit of extra, a bit extra at the end when when you finish. There's no time for sleeping still. Not for a few more hours yet, anyway. Excellent, and then straight back on the plane to come back to the family. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. Straight back to um, Adelaide, where it's blowing currently about forty knots. And, oh my goodness! Yeah. Um, Quite cold. <laughs> Welcome home. <laughs> well, at least you've got the family. That's excellent to hear. Now, you've, you're often travelling about here and there and doing so many things, and I know a lot of Adelaide people are proud of, of your success uh, here but also overseas. But what's next for you, Silas? Uh, well, the next month I'm, uh, I actually look after a little Beneteau 40 here in Adelaide. Excellent. And, um, called the Concubine, and that's heading over to Sydney to do the Southport race. Awesome. So, we'll have to catch up with them. Getting that boat ready. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting that boat ready. And then um, I do the Southport race on Ichiban before heading to Europe for Copa del Rey regatta on, back on the shockwave. Oh, brilliant. So, yeah. Excellent. So you so get a, a little... busy. No a, time, really. A little dose of cold racing down here before you can head back to the warmth up north. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I try not to do too much winter. Yeah, no, that's a really good plan. But um, the, the shockwave, you mentioned it's a little bit different to Bellamente. What is the actual design of shockwave for little people who might not know about the boat so much? It's a Rock Hill Pew 72. Mm -hmm. uh, it was built to the mini-maxi rule, uh, which is kind of a box rule yep. uh, for that size boat. And uh, at the moment, there's, there's about seven or eight mini-maxis in the world, and we all sort of race in Europe and America together. Um, it's kind of a resurgent class it's we've got a few more boats being built ready for next season so i think we could see up to nine boats on the circuit next year wow um yeah so it's all pretty pretty good fun racing 72 footers around a short course and yeah uh, it can get quite exciting at times oh i bet i wish i could watch <laughs> i'm jealous <laughs> 
Oh, well, that's amazing to hear. Well, good luck with everything and, and good luck for the Southport. Hopefully I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll at least say hello on the morning of when I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and um, broadcast the start at least a little bit and, um, and we'll keep everybody posted on your progress on Itchy Barn and maybe we'll have to touch base with you when you're over um, doing these awesome mini maxis racing. I'd love to see them go around the cans. That'd be so good. <laughs> Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Silas. That was Silas Nolan, fresh back from the Newport to Bermuda race. A big congratulations to him and the Shockwave team for taking it out. We'll be right back after this song. My name's Nick Douglas, and this is Adventures of a Sailor Girl on Sunset Radio. We won't be back after this song because I've just checked the clock and we hardly have any time left to fit everything in. Now, I'm not sure if you've been paying attention, but I think that I've said to our adventurers this week, uh, at least three of them, that I'm very, very jealous of of what they've been up to. But uh, I just thought I'd, I'd give you a little bit of a listen of what I've been up to this weekend and maybe a few of you might be jealous of me. <laughs> Here we go. This is Nick Douglas, Adventures of a Sailor Girl, and I'm in the snow, and there's snowflakes falling on me. It's snowing so hard, and I'm on the veranda like a crazy person. The flakes are so massive. Seriously. Oh, this is a bit of an adventure of a different kind, but oh my goodness. (laughs) And yes, didn't I love every second of it? It was a brilliant weekend. A big thank you to my fantastic parents. I actually uh, resigned from my job at the start of this week so that I can concentrate more on this and bring you guys more adventures more often in a number of different areas, not just sailing. We also have our travel show on Monday nights and tomorrow night for the first time, we will have our Build Your Own Business show, a great night for it to launch on June 30. I think it'll just be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to that one. But this is how awesome my parents are. I quit on Monday and just no hesitation at all as a present for showing their support for me. They fly me down to the snow (laughs) to have an awesome weekend of adventures, ski all weekend and then get back here in time to share all of these fantastic stories with you. So um, I'm feeling like a very, very, very lucky girl to um, not only have my own adventures, but to listen to all of yours as well. And if you do have an adventure, I've had stacks of people contacting me through my Facebook page, a little bit of a shout out. Uh, to Anthony, who contacted me through the page. He's currently doing the Round the Island race. That's not Ireland. That's Ireland, I-R-E-L-A-N-D. It's about. Uh, it, it's quite a significant offshore, and he's doing that race. And he wanted to know if I was interested, and of course I'm interested, and hopefully I'll be able to catch up with him when he gets back from that race. But uh, we'll be coming back next week with all of the interviews that I didn't manage to get this week. Uh, Jason Waterhouse will chat to me about the A-Class Worlds. I'm really sorry, guys, that that interview didn't work because it was a cracker, but I will catch up with him again. Uh, I'll also be catching up with the F-16 world champions that's Jesse Doby and Adrian Fawcett. And also, we'll finish off that Extreme 40 interview that I started with Troy Tindall. I have confirmed that I will be getting an interview with him during the week to catch up on everything that's happening in St. Petersburg. But thank you so much, everybody, for staying with me. Also, uh, the Boyd Up program, one of the interviews that we had during this show with uh, Paul Blundell up there at Noosa Yacht Club. My parents, uh, being as spectacular as they are, are donating a weekend in winter at Throwbow 31 or a week in summer. Now, this is you know, almost the equivalent of four star guys, absolute luxury. It's four grand for the week to stay there. So absolutely brilliant. And they're donating it to that dinner for Boyd Up. So um, that's that's their little donation. And, and we're really happy to get behind that program. And as tomorrow is June 30, I urge you all to be listening to our BYO business show, but also maybe to think about opening your wallets, maybe for Boyd Up or maybe for another charity, something that tickles your fancy, because um, we're all very, very lucky to be adventuring the way that we are.
You're listening to Sunset Radio, the Sailors Radio Station. 